This episode is brought to you by FX's The Bear. The hit series returns with Jeremy Allen White in the Golden Globe-winning role of Carmi. He and the team will transform their family sandwich shop into a next-level spot, all while being forced to come together in new ways as they confront their past and reckon with who they want to be in the future. FX is The Bear. All episodes now streaming only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Certified Piedmontese Beef. Listen up, foodies. Make your next meal even better with real Nebraska beef. They have healthy, tender, delicious Italian heritage beef, grass-fed and sustainably raised on lush pastures in the Midwest. You can even create your own personally curated meat box that's shipped right to your door. To get two free steaks with any purchase over $50, use the code FREEBEEF at checkout. Learn more and shop exclusively at cpbeef.com. Hello and welcome to One for the Road with me, Sober Dave. Each week I'll be talking to some incredible guests and I hope by hearing each episode they will offer you a valuable source of inspiration and insight. From incredible life stories to a variety of important subjects, all to help you with your quest to change your relationship with alcohol. All of my guests are at different points in their journeys and each of them have powerful and uplifting stories and information to share. I hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to subscribe and of course, leave a review. My guest today on One for the Road is Rich Evans. At the start of his professional career, he was at the forefront of the 90s youth culture, eventually going on to work with many of the notorious lads mags like Nuts, Front and FHM. This industry is well renowned for the work hard, play hard mentality. But nearly two years ago, Rich decided enough was enough and finally kicked the booze. I really love this chat. I hope you do too. Please don't forget to listen to the short ads at the beginning. It's really important because it allows me to continue to produce this much value content. Also, don't forget to subscribe and hit the follow button. So good morning, Rich. Welcome to my podcast, One for the Road. It's a real joy to have you on today. We've been chatting via DMs for a little while now. Um, and your story fascinates me um, because you've worked for some big men's magazines over the years. But I thought it'd be good to get you on and we can talk about lag culture, what it's like for you growing up in that industry. So I'll let you actually say a little bit more to listeners, tell them about who you are and what you do. All right, Dave. Thanks for that. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Rich Evans. Um, I've worked in fashion for about 25 years started off as a stylist um i was probably the only kind of at the time the only kind of lad stylist um so it was a bit a bit unusual then i moved on into the lads magazines um as fashion editor for another 10 years um and just progressed i guess up the fashion pecking order fashion director of fhm um was styling a lot of um yeah, famous sort of bands and 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 people and then I start my own agency and I'm still um now a creative director so I I I come up with the campaigns and and visuals for brands like Fila and Kappa and um still in it so so here we are yeah just a, a non-stop fashion media grind which I never really got any qualifications on I just liked it it's interesting isn't it like i was saying to you before my son's well into his fashion and uh tried his own uh label and and it was so tough to do it there's a million fish out there isn't there in a big ocean sometimes it it comes down to just money like you can be the most creative person um but when you want to get past the bedroom brand stage you have to invest money in trade shows and all different colours and different sizes and mm. website shoots and so a lot of brands that make it they're, they're you know they're not all brands but they've got they've got money behind them you've got investors and all sorts of stuff just to keep that keep that standard up but it's yeah. tough it's a tough game um, but for me I think um, the toughest thing um, with 
being in the fashion media industry, same as TV, same as it's, it's been able to, it's like in school peer pressure. Um, it's been able to do your work and also not get too pulled into the lifestyle, the lifestyle, you know, free drinks, free mm. everything. Um, so that's where, I, that's where I got a bit, uh, in a bit too deep. Yeah. I talk to a lot of musicians and it's the same there where you turn up for a gig and it's just a free bar. But we, yeah. we can talk about that later. I, I, you know, as people know, I'm quite nosy. So I, I'd love to uh, find out a little bit about your background and what it's yeah. like um, growing up for you and where, where you grew up. Yeah, it's, and it's weird because, like, I knew these questions would be asked and I thought I started thinking about it and I started thinking, I haven't really ever thought about this, like, um, because it's it's almost been erased or blank, blanked out. Um, so I grew up, I grew up in... Wales, my parents were uh, really, really nice, but very kind of traditional, n- um, not very materialistic or into fashion or anything like that. N- not really, just normal parents, really. And I was very shy. And then at about 11, um, my dad got a job in Southampton and um, we moved, We all moved and got to this school um, and I instantly realised that it was a more... I don't know, I felt like a more, I went from like a little village Welsh school to a modern school where there was, it was in the middle of like a rough area and a pretty all right area. Um, we lived in the all right area, but it was my first sort of interaction with, I don't know, different cultures meeting together. And, um, and I, I, and I was getting a little bit bullied for my accent. And I thought, right, I have to lose my accent and I have to just dress differently. Um, I have to, I have to fit in. And and then I always remember going there at school disco and I was like, I don't know what to wear. And then my mum got me this mad shirt with loads of like um loads of um like temples all over it, right? And I thought, fuck, no way I'm wearing that. Anyway, that's all I had. So I went to this school disco at like twelve and then I got so much attention. It was like honestly, the girls were like all over me. Who's this guy? Look at least he's got the confidence to wear this wear this shirt, blah blah. And then it suddenly, just from there, from that little moment, I realised that clothes and fashion and the way you looked, and for me personally, your image was like, could call it a front, could call it bait. You know, it was like if you wanted to pick up a girl. Impress, yeah. Loud, boom. And it was, it was, um, so from that moment, I, I, you know, we, we lived in this area, went to school. The school was, again, um, my secondary school was half very rough, half half pretty respectable so mixing with people some of the it was it it was fights every day and it was a lot of bullying um and again it i i had to really work because i was quite inside quite a shy person i had to work very hard in on fitting in and um i was very skinny and i remember like again exactly the same i worked hard on my image and i just kind of like that that kept the bullies away a little bit um even if some days I wasn't quite being myself it was an image thing so yeah basically as I got to about 15 16 we started we start you know maybe 14 15 16 we started going to underage nightclubs and just started drinking just started drinking and 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 that that kind of like was my superpower it was like now I can go in dressed up getting the attention but I've also got the sort of confidence if anyone says anything, I can say you've got a problem with what I'm wearing, and we'd we'd fight, and that started my my addiction, I think, to going out. Like I loved it, I, I loved it more than any of my friends. Going out was like I could wear what I want, I could meet girls, attract girls, and if any guys gave me any shit for wearing what I want, I'd I'd would get in a fight, and and then the next day at school or college, the girls would go, oh, Rich got in a fight last night. And it would be like a buzz, and uh, yeah. and that would create more hype around me. Probably why I ended up setting up a PR agency, or or a, you know, my because it's all about news and yeah. Buzz. And yeah, like I said, I just kept going out, kept going out every night. Maybe whether it was the park, whether it was underage nightclubs, and then we'd start going to raves on coaches and uh, just nonstop. And you know, as I as I got a little bit older, the attention from girls. And the, the 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 friction it caused with 
other groups of areas and different other guys like me. Oh, yeah, that rich thinks he's all that. He loves himself, all this sort of stuff. It got so out of control. I was quite a popular guy, but also had a massive, a massive amount of people who hated me, you know, because I was confident and stuff. And, and it was, I started to sort of live in, you know, I realized I was quite an anxious person, really. And what I was doing was fueling this anxiety by keep going out and keep growing this, this hype around myself, um, which meant I'd drink more. It just was just a never ending, a never ending hamster wheel up until I was about 35. So diff- very different to the guy you had on the other day, the, the dare to dip guy where he, he said he was like, I'm addicted to sort of staying in. Yeah. I was, I was addicted to being out. I never wanted to stay in. I just was like, I, I love being out. I love the buzz and the excitement of, of being out, you know, meeting girls, music, dancing, raving, fighting. I loved everything about it. So I just had so many different groups of friends. I'd go out on a Monday night to student night, Tuesday night to student night, Wednesday night to a drum and bass night, Thursday night to a hip hop night. And then on the Saturday and Saturday and Friday, I'd go out with my townie mates to the pub, maybe to a club. And it was like acceptable because I was that guy who had a lot of mates. It's really interesting, isn't it? What you say about Sam dead to dip, right? Because I could really relate to his sitting in on his own, right? And it goes to show that we all get different things from our drinking, right? Because, like, for you, yours was a real social buzz and you got a lot of attention. You wore all the clothes and that's what floated your boat at the time, right? For me, my addiction led me into being a recluse because I didn't want to be around people. I wanted to be on my own with the numbing of the alcohol and I become, like, really, really depressed, insular. I didn't want to talk to anyone on the phone and that's what Sam was like. And where you like the loud clothes, it, it's it's what we need from the. Yeah, that's it. I think I was listening to that one. I think God, we're all we're all wired differently so much. Mm. Like we've all got different size noses, different color hairs. So we're all different. And um, and and alcohol. I think in this sort of lad culture thing, when I was working for the lads mag, the way I used to the way I used to kind of plan my my work was all all of the lads, um, probably still to this day, they've all got like a a structure. So you've got a sporty one. You've got a um, someone who loves gambling. You've got some someone who's a bit podgy. You've got a funny one. You've got a druggy. You've got and you've got the good-looking one. You've got the fashionable one. So everyone's got a different role, mm. and, and that little group of that pack mentality only really works. You know, everyone takes the piss out of the fat one. Everyone, everyone um, takes. You know, there's a sporty one that doesn't go out as much. Blah blah blah. And it, and it sort of just runs on banter and ego and arrogance and whatever mm. it is. And, and, and everyone's different. And alcohol was a medicine for some people and it was a fuel for some people. And I think it was an antidepressant for some people. But for me, different, different to a lot of these podcasts on, on sobriety I hear where people have hit rock bottom and then they, They've, they have to turn their life around and blah, blah, blah. I actually like, for me, I loved every minute of it and probably, probably wouldn't change it. I, I, I dialed it in so it fitted with my personality. So nobody really knew as well as me that it might have been not normal, but because because I was working for a lads mag and people were drinking at their desks and we'd have girls in bikinis coming in. Um, dumping off big crates of carling and we were expected to down it and, and then we'd go onto a strip club where it was free drinks. It was like it, that all just sent normal to me. It was, mm. it was, it was normal. So it was only really when, you know, go through it a little bit later, but only very, very later in life, like sort of 35 when I, when I started to realize I've got kids and the people that I'm doing this with are getting younger and younger. And I've done all this stuff before. Mm. And it, it felt like a computer game that I completed. Imagine if you'd imagine if you'd um you'd completed Goldeneye or Mario Kart and you were kept 
you'll keep playing it. And it was like, I'm bored of this game. Yeah, I've seen I, I still it. Like done it. it. I still yeah. like Mario Kart, but I've done it. I, I want to put, so for me, it was, it was just a moment of like a build up, like you said to Dare to Dare. It was a build up of probably five years of like noticing people like you, noticing people like, um, some people from, from Jackass and people from Dirty Sanchez. And, and some of the wild people that I used to look up to and think, fuck it, they're so cool. They're just nuts. They're just like wild out every night, 48 hour partying. And some of them were going sober. And I was thinking, hang on a minute. Like my mate Dayton, who, who was in Dirty Sanchez, he used to go out for days. And I used to think, oh, oh that's brilliant. But mm. now he's sober. And I've just, I started latching onto all these people. And then, and I started thinking, why am I at my son's football? on a Saturday morning, hung over, dragged myself here, and I'm and I'm I've got a beating headache, kinda of can't wait to sort of get back home and go to sleep. And I only had I didn't do anything last night. I I I, I didn't even go to a club. So it just it, it for me I just kind of just felt like I had to just put that computer game to one side and, and just start a new chapter of my life. And it, it wasn't a problem, I don't think, but I'm sure you'd probably say it was a habit I couldn't break and I couldn't break it for maybe five years. And now I feel free. I feel free, but it's still, I'm, I'm a year and 10 months and I still feel like I'm, I'm grieving. I quite often talk about grieving um, because a lot of people really know my visual around um giving up boozing you know i hook it into metaphors and you know i i've said before that it's like coming out of a long-term relationship and after a while you get the fading bars effect where you uh start to remember the good times which you've said a lot of them were um, and you forget all the hangovers and the anxiety and the 3 a.m wake-ups and whatever and then you start to negotiate with the thought of oh maybe i could just have the odd night out here and there and moderate and stuff and and we all know that doesn't work but the grieving is because you've lost a part of your life that you've had since you were 14 15 years old that was your role you played which the the lad in the loud shirts and the one who could chat the birds up and make everyone laugh and and when you take that away it's like it strips you with who actually am i after all this time and then the other thing is as well, Rich, is that you we stunt our emotions, don't we? Yeah. We stunt them. They get put to the back burner. And then when you give up, all of a sudden they start creeping back and you don't know how to deal with them because we're almost un- emotionally underdeveloped because we've that's what we've done, you know? So the grieving is such an important subject. So... How, when you say you feel like you're grieving, how are you actually feeling? Do you want to describe that? Uh, I mean, I say I say I'm grieving because I can really relate to grief because my dad died uh, probably ten years ago suddenly, and and I never really talked about it for probably a good two years. I reckon I kept it all in. It was so sudden. I was like, couldn't really talk to my mum. Couldn't really talk. I literally couldn't talk about it because it was, I was, uh, you know, like physically couldn't talk about it. And I feel like with drinking, giving up drinking, it's been the same. It's almost like for the first few months, I was like on that I Am Sober app, literally like every five minutes going, oh my God, I've done another day in 20 minutes. I've done another day in 25 minutes. And and, um, screenshotting it and just telling everyone. Um, (laughs) And and then I, I think for the last sort of six months or even for the last year, I've sort of like put it in a drawer. I looked at it again a little bit like a computer game because I'm a bit of a child. Um, like, can I do level one? That is going to a pub, not drinking. Can I do level two? Watch the boxing at home with, without a drink. Can I do? And it was like, I was ticking off all these little levels. Yeah. And, um, I feel like, I feel like I'd completed, you know, I went to Soho on a mate's birthday and it was like, I felt like I was in this, I was like, I was, everyone's dark. I felt like I was in, what's that scene in Star Wars when there's just madness going everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And, 
and I, com- I and I had a great night, and I and I talked to people, had some great conversations. But the other day, I, I and and as with grieving, every now and again, I, I I have a dream about my dad, or or I have like a bit of a memory, and it gets me a bit sort of it gets me a bit sad and a bit kind of whatever. And I went to Southampton the other day where I grew up, and I went to this Indian restaurant, really busy one, um, popular one, and and we all went as a family on a Saturday night. And I went and it was just rammed and it was so hectic and busy and the food was amazing. But I, I felt like I was meeting my, I was having a flashback of the, of, of the, of the person that died because mm. I could see all these lads you know, doing shots and there was just lads part birthdays and there was, there was, um, wedding. I don't know. There was just people getting on it everywhere. And we were sitting there as a family just going, you know, yeah. and it was great. It was brilliant. And, um, you know, me and my boys and my wife, it was brilliant. But I was started to get like panic attacks a little bit. I, I, I started to sweat and I was like, you know, like Dapper laughs when he's, you yeah. know, like, what do you want to drink, sir? And I was like, no, no, yeah. I and it was, it was like, fuck, this is, this is like, wow. And the food was amazing. But I just sort of thought to myself, as a human, you're not designed. You know, when you think back to caveman days, you're not designed to eat a lovely meal in that atmosphere. It's like it's it's just not the right setting. You know what I mean? It's just this shit. Well, yeah, you're also not um, cavemen. We're we're not designed to put a toxic liquid into us either. Our body's not designed yeah, for that. Yeah, but yeah, do you yeah. know what? The whole grieving thing's fascinating, right? Because these are all stages that you have to go through. Like I've been there, mate, and I and I and then. The the damage is done when you start to reminisce over it and you then, as I said about negotiating it, you know, a lot of the clients I work with and my coaching say exactly the same thing after a, a particular amount of time yeah. of getting used to living life about alcohol yeah. and then you go sort of plateau out a little bit and then you think, actually, I've cracked this, right? Yeah. And then I'm not saying people take it for granted, but they kind yeah. of think, well, this is where I am and, well, you know, yeah. I'm in a good place. And then you go out to a venue or a wedding or something and you see everyone enjoying yourself. And of course there's a loss, mate. But there, of course, like I'm really realistic about all this, right? I miss drinking. You know, I do. Why wouldn't I? I had some great times when I was drinking, right? But it would have killed me. Uh, and, and, and it made my life small. It made my depression. Yeah. ramp up to a ridiculous level my anxiety levels relationships you know there was nothing really good so it's all about what you gain and what not you lose and i think i think it's like people look at um giving up drinking like oh stopping drinking it's going to be easy i just like don't buy beers and i don't drink them and that, that's it but i think it's for me it's been very quite complex and it's been a build up of working out why I drink I love the buzz of anything I love I love the, I love just jumping on the bandwagon of any sort of trend if there's bull, bull fighting I'll be there you know what I mean mm. so that was my gateway to anything for me that was the only gateway if I want to do something with a buzz I'll get on the beer wagon and it will take me there we, we mm. can we can climb a building or we can jump in a skip and have a muck about or do anything stupid and it's fine but I realized that looking at a distance on Instagram, I was just sort of like, I used to think the people that do running and climbing mountains, I just thought they were just geeks. And, yeah. and I just, I, well, I knew they probably weren't, but I used to, I used to think anyone that all these motivational speakers, dicks, I used to yeah. think it was like a, like a, a mental kind of coping mm. strategy of just not wanting to see the other side of the fence. But mm. then, I was peeking through it like these people follow, follow, follow. And, and I'm, oh, I see what they're about. And I realized that climbing a mountain, doing a marathon is, you know, I took my son to this park run on a Sunday. It was only 2K. It was like at eight in the morning or something. And I woke up, I thought, A, I've never been up that early at a, at a park. 
and I'd never seen this type of human before. I'd never <laughs> even seen, there was about 500 people and kids. We turned up in the wrong stuff. There were all these people in like, you know, fluorescent, like I'd never even seen this sort of lifestyle, let alone done it. And I was like, there's a whole bunch of people together. No different really from when I would leave a nightclub at four in the morning. Mm. They're all there for the same reason. They're all buzzing off the same thing. Mm. And I suddenly started realizing, hang on a minute, I did the 2K and I couldn't do it. And I was like, but it was quite a buzz. Everyone was like, go on, mate, go on, mate, you know. And I was like, that's yeah, quite a buzz. And yeah. then, you know, I got, I got, I thought I started boxing and I thought, oh, this is, this is like fighting, but I'm allowed to do this and I'm not, I'm not going to get arrested. And <laughs> I just started realizing there's other buzzes. So I started then and I, but I was generally always hungover. And for that five years, from probably 30 to 35, and I was, I was just dragging myself to the other side. I was like, I was doing these two and five Ks boxing with a hangover, always, always had a little glimmer of a hangover. And I just thought, that's all right. It's, it's like a seesaw. I'm trying to balance out the bad and the good. Yeah. Justifying it. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, if I go to the gym, it's basically like, like hammering the ha- hangover away. Yeah. And then, I can't remember where I saw it, but someone was, some, it might have been like Dapper Laughs or someone, someone, you know, all the motivation, set yourself goals, set yourself goals, all over here, set yourself goals. So I thought, fuck it, I'm going to just put myself down for a white collar boxing fight, put my name down with a hangover, see what happens. And then that was something to shoot for. And then I had to not drink for the training camp. Mm. And it was like, that was like my first sort of, delving into not drinking and it was just ridiculously hard and i might have had a couple of sips here and there but generally i did it and then i think uh i think i won my first fight it was brilliant absolutely loved it my kids were proud and and afterwards we went and got absolutely shit-faced and so badly that you know i couldn't get out of bed for a couple of days and i was like hang on i trained for like eight weeks solid got in perfect shape and i'm back on this hamster wheel again and I was on it for another year. So I, I, I did another white collar and then, and then I started setting more challenges and, and goals. And I did the no drinking again, but got back on it again. And it just, I was just, I li- I feel like getting to this point today when I think about it now, it's like, it's been a lot of work, you know, personally, you know, set, setting these goals, achieving the goals. And then when you go back to the bloody pub or the club or whatever, or the news agents golf license. There's something at the back of your head going. Do you really want to get that beer belly back? I'm, I'm a very sort of like vain person. At my age now, I'll just get fat if I if I if I eat the wrong stuff and if I get on the beers. So uh, you know, other other things happen to me. Like I saw a picture of myself at a party once. Oh my god! I don't know whether it's like body dysmorphia or something, but obviously I'm the coolest person ever, right? And like I'm I'm not the greatest looking guy, but I've, in my mind, I'm like a bloody top model. And that's, that's about <laughs> confidence, blah, blah, blah. And I saw this picture. It's like my, my face and my chin and my chest joined up. It was just the most <laughs> disgusting thing ever. And, um, I just sort of thought, fucking hell. And, you know, that was, I knew that I'd been on smashing it that, that night. And I, it looked like, I don't know. So, so I, I, at that point, I, I, there's a little gym in Brixton and I said to this lad there, Fred, I said, look, if you can get, what does it take? What does it take to get me in shape? And I'd got, I'd got really out of shape. Like I, I'm normally a 32 inch waist. I was a 36. And, um, I said, if you can get me into a 32, I'll give you some sort of bonus or something. I'll give you, I don't know what it is. And he was like, let's get to fucking work. <laughs> if you see him, he's like fucking hardcore, no chatting. Anyway, I did most of that with hangovers. And eventually I got into a 32 inch waist, but I was still, I was still fighting against, I couldn't get out of the, the matrix of this, this routine that I'd built up since I was 15. You know, yeah, yeah. when I, I wasn't like, again, people might disagree or whatever, but I wouldn't have called myself an alcoholic where I need drink in the morning and I need to sneak, sneak drinks. But, but maybe because in, in our job, if we wanted a beer at lunch, we could have a beer at lunch. If we wanted to go to the pub at lunch, so my, my editor used to go, things wouldn't start happening until you get the three pint buzz. Uh, and when we're, when we're, when we're on deadline and we're probably all feeling anxious and stressed, 
we'd go to the pub mm. at lunchtime and it was like, go back and we're buzzing. So maybe if I had was working in a post office, it would have had to been sneaking in beers in. But who knows whether I, where I, maybe I was a social alcoholic, I'm not sure. But I'd, I'd, I'd built up this sort of routine for myself that, that is painted in the world for lads, especially in the UK, where there's a party Wednesday, a party Thursday. There's a, especially when you go to uni and it's like, I don't know, party It's Monday. ingrained though, isn't it, mate, yeah. in, in society, right? So you, it, it makes me think about when you went to the school disco at 12 with a loud shirt on, right? Yeah. And about fitting in, right? Yeah, And this is where the lag culture and the boozing comes into it because we all want to fit in. We all want to be one of the lads, the, yeah. the one. I was that typical kid like you. you. Your story really reminds me of myself, right? A nervous kid, like quite yeah. shy. Uh, and I went to an area that was half nice, half terrible. Yeah. Uh, and walked into the classroom in the second year of secondary school and everyone had already made their little groups of friends and whatever. Right? And I stood there like a, a wet blanket thinking my primary school was like Little House on the Prairie. It was so small and lovely and there was never any trouble. And I then walked into this school full of different people and I was petrified, right? And the only way that I could fit in was to drink with the others at the shops, right? And I've said before many times that I was never a fighter. I was the funny one, right? So I fitted in. And that was, I sh- I had a role throughout my whole drinking life of this this character, like in a Marvel film, right? Drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is like exactly like that. Like uh, like the little structure of, of lads. Girls are different where the girls normally have, there's two of them, you know. There's one that's better looking than the other one, and they just feed off each other. And um, I may be wrong, but I, I, I we don't get a lot of kickback. But there's a few women going, "Who is this bloke?" It's, it's, I don't know. It's psychology, and I think, I think, um, you, you, you all play roles. Whether you're five girls on the on the town, whether you're twenty lads. Sometimes we would go out. As I got older, we would go out twenty, thirty of us, and it was like a a real gang and people from different areas we we, we just did, had no fear whatsoever or it was kind of like i don't know some of my friends were were way way worse for me on the sort of fighting side and, and well, i think it goes down to the roles we play for for ladies as well they they got their characters in the group do you know what i mean exactly. but with lads right what i found myself was that i was in a real lag culture a lot of clubbing, a lot of sport as well, work hard, play out hard kind of thing, right? This is before I, I got into my solitary drinking, obviously, right? Um, but remember, I stopped drinking for three weeks or something because I was training for something. Oh, my, the stick I got in the pub. I would still used to go to the pub. And they go, what do you want, mate? Your pint of Stella? It'd be like, no, I'm, I'll have uh, um, tonic water. And I'm like, what? Oh, you pussy. What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah. And like, I'll tell you what it was like, though, mate. It was like really being bullied. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. But the, well, the thing, the thing that I've not mentioned, which I think as a, for me personally, is, is my like anxiety that I, Realize now that I've always had, but when when I think back to, I just worry about what I'm going to do when I'm older. What what worry about my GCSEs, and I would stay up all night in cold sweats. And then in in school, when they used to make you read out loud, you know what I mean? And they go, Richard, two pages, please. And I, I shit myself so much because I I hated that. Like um, I'd even on those lessons I'd try and pull sickies, you know, because I just the I don't know, the fear of reading something out and I wasn't very good at reading and looking stupid. The thing I've realized is that when I was drinking and partying at my highest, I knew that Thursday, Saturday, Friday, I'm gonna be going out into this nightclub where there's gonna be a definitely twenty people that want to kick my head in. There's mm. gonna be loads of fit girls. I'm going to be with about 25 people and it's, I'm actually going into a war zone pretty much, but it's going to be pretty cool and funny and there's going to be good music, good DJ. Um, and I can wear some cool stuff. So I wanted to go, but I didn't want to go. 
So, so I was drinking a bottle of vodka um, and two or three cans of Red Bull before, whilst I was getting ready. So when the cab picked us up, I was flying already. I was like, well, so when you think about, uh, I couldn't actually, there's, you know, recently I've, I've, I've gone to a pub and I can just about, with my anxiety, just sort of about, just about be in there and tolerate every, a thousand conversations going on in my ears. I don't think as a human with my anxiety, I could have gone into that nightclub sober. But then I think from the age of 15, you learn things, right? You, you learn how to write, you learn how to uh, cook, you learn how to ride a bike. By drinking in the park or, you know, going to under 18 nightclub, drinking cider, all that, you took away, I took away the ability to learn how to be in those social environments. I never actually learned how to be in a restaurant full. I never actually learned how to be in it. So I'm no doubt that I could have gone into a nightclub and danced and had a good time without alcohol because I'm just a human, right? It's not exactly like going into Vietnam. It's, it's, it's just a nice place. But I think what it is, what I'm doing now is I'm actually learning from scratch how to go into a pub or, or a busy social environment and enjoy myself without this this medicine or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, and do you know what I, I'm picking up on that as well is that from the age of 12, you wore your loud shirt and all, you got all the attention. All the way along with your fashion, your clothes, your drinking, you've masked your identity, right? Yeah. You've put on a cape, right? So although you now still wear the lovely clothes, your shirt's amazing, by the way, um, you, you're still, like, left when you stop drinking with an identity you're not sure about. You don't know what that is. This, this is the thing is what I've – I think not drinking for me is not not the end. It's not like, woohoo, it's, it's fine, I'm finally free. It, I, I've said it's a bit like – if you're if you're leaving a job that you liked, and then you know you, you have to clean your desk, right? And you clean the drawers out and get all the stuff, out, and there's and there's loads of shit at the back of the drawers that has mm. just been. Or if you clean your cupboard at home, there's loads of crappy little old raisins at the back, or there's probably some mouldy muesli at the back. Yeah, that's what it feels like. I'm left with at the moment. So I've got rid of the booze. Mm. Now I have to. Like I'm able to look at my anxiety and think, okay, all right, let's that's that's what you are. Let's let's have it. Um, let's 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 try and deal with you next. And and also, okay, I do I do like recently I was sitting in my um my father-in-law's back garden in Hastings and we drove past this um reggae festival and I thought, oh, that looks busy and cool. Um, and then they said. Oh, Rich, we're going down to the pier to watch a, a live acoustic band. And I thought, that doesn't sound cool. And, um, and then I could hear the reggae festival from the back garden. And they said, uh, I heard the MC say, uh, something like in, in, in 10 minutes, we've got live, a live jungle set from General Levy. And I thought, Oh my God, that's like my dream. That's like <laughs> General Levy. And I went, babe, we've got to go up. We've got to go up to this place. And I'm totally sober. I went, that sounds amazing. Let's go. She went, no, no, we're going down to the pier to watch, watch this live rockabilly band. And I was like, I'm going to this place. I'm going to see Gemma Lee. So I went up, I ran up the hill and I said to the door, doorman, can I pay the, sorry, sold out. I'm like, oh no, no, please come on. Let me in. Come on. And then I just stood and watched the first few bits of Gemma Lee. And I was like, I looked at the doorman and I put on like a puppy dog face <laughs> and, and he went, go on. Oh, I, ran, I ran to the front. I literally ran to the front. I could smell poppers. I could see people sniffing. I could see people drinking. I ran to the front and I had the best hour just raving ever. And then I left and I realized then I can do it. And that's still in me. You know what I mean? That yeah. is, that is actually me. I was saying hello to everyone. I was on my own. I didn't need my mates. I didn't even need a loud shirt. I was just in some shit stuff. I'd gone to my father-in-law's. Yeah. So that was like a, a very, great moment because you can do it you know what's interesting about that is you can absolutely 100% do it but as we know life has ups and downs right so I think maybe this grieving thing for you is when you haven't got 
the reggae band going off in the background and you're yeah. raving and around you and you're not in the Indian restaurant looking around. It's when you're sitting with your own thoughts in, yeah. in the dark it, when it's quiet. And this is why I talk a lot about emotional sobriety. It's like, because when we're f- 15, a lot of us 14, 13, when we're drinking that, we just put the brakes on thinking about emotions because we go, fuck it, we're going to have a drink, right? Uh, and this is... This is why I always use that analogy of riding a bike on a nice day, on a straight road, looking at the view, going, morning, yeah, how yeah, are yeah. you? Oh, this is great. And that, and you go around the corner, there's a big fat hill and the bloody clouds open up and it's pouring all over you. Do you chuck the bike in the bush or, or carry on pedaling? And, and I think with sobriety, it's you have to look at the whole package and you have to realise that actually – there is a lot of what you say, the muesli and the raisins left in the drawer. Um, and some days it looks better than others. And yeah. it's how you process that. And sometimes you have to park it. And I don't say chuck it in the corner, place it in the corner, nice and tidy and think, do you know what? I'm not quite ready for that. And, and there's coaches, there's therapists, there's best friends that you can start to introduce that conversation to. Mm-hmm. This is why I think, you know, obviously you do your courses and, and, and coaching and just speaking to you. Cause like I said, I, I feel like I haven't talked about it enough because I'm doing all this. I'm doing, I'm almost like doing a recovering from drinking course in my head that I'm making up as I go along. And, and I'm like, sometimes you do need someone to, to tell this to who's going to nod their head and go, yeah. Everywhere, all different. You're doing great, and this is like this is. I can I can see how you can, you know, be a great use to people that are that are. I, I think it's situation. seeing the whole picture, though, Rich, because yeah. otherwise we're just replacing one dopamine hit with another, right? Right. I need to search for something that will match that high I have from drinking. So, what can that be? Uh, I'm going to jump out of a plane or I'm going to do an ultra marathon or I'm going to climb a mountain, which I'm climbing a mountain soon, by the way. But anyway, you know, or um, I need to balance it out and have a level perspective of what sobriety looks like. And then you can deal with it more long term. But if you're doing all this high energy stuff and looking for all these other stuffs without drinking, you're almost then still covering stuff up. Do you know what I mean? And it will always creep in and bite you on the arse. Like I said, we're all different. And I think that, you know, my, my anxiety, um, just to give, give you a, what, what happened probably, I think it was about 10 years ago, maybe just before my dad died. Um, I, I was, um, we set up a business, an agency was doing well. Um, a stressful family, everything's stressful. I'd, I'd actually, I'd actually, for some reason or the other, I think it was with kids were young. Um, to stop doing exercise. Um, I'd stop doing gym, boxing for a bit. And I just, I would, that's when I was starting to get a bit of a belly and just, just lose. I started to turn into what my dad was. It's like a, just a living shame. And, and I wasn't down for that really, but we went to, um, we went to Portugal for a new year and it was a bit, it was all right. It was good. Um, on the first night we went out for a meal and we sat down. And just when the food arrived, I had a intense rush of anxiety. It was the worst. It was like, imagine you just heard someone's died or you just, just, you just bumped mm. into your ex-girlfriend or you hate. And I don't know, the worst possible anxiety, first driving lesson ever. I lost my appetite, didn't eat my food. And then I had a few wines, three or four wines and it went away. But four in the morning, once the alcohol had worn off, it just, Boom, came back. Mm. And it lasted the whole week. And what it was, it was some kind of nervous breakdown. I had this, um, I went to the doctors in Portugal and they, they weren't very good. But when I got home, it was just awful. I just, I had this like uncontrollable nonstop 24 hours a day, couldn't sleep. And the non-sleeping was making me paranoid. And I generally think it was because I just stopped the exercise and, and, and just let myself slob into my sofa and just drink. Mm. Uh, but when I got back, the den- the doctors were just yeah, you know they uh, they put me they gave me sertilopram, I think it was, um, that was good and that levelled me out. But it was a very big wake up call for me because it's at the time when I was out of shape, um, 
I was a bit slobby. I was a bit lethargic and I was drinking at home, like not going out as much, obviously, because you just, this is, you, you, you know, 35 or whatever. I just, and I'm not, I've sort of done the whole clubbing thing. And, um, so that was really like a wake up call for me. And, and ever since then, I've treated my anxiety with like absolute, um, like a glass you know like mm. that it, it's very fragile in yeah. me me personally um you know when you're out with your mates and oh yeah joe's a heavyweight rich is such a lightweight mm. johnny can have 20 pints and he can still play rugby then i think the heavyweight lightweight thing me because of my anxiety my my, my mental mind frame i think is quite weak you know some people have got strong muscles and I think my my mind is actually quite fragile, um, and that's why I my hangovers felt like come downs. My my hang my hangovers, I, w- I was always sick, and um, I wanted to stay out the latest, but I was always the worst with a hangover. I couldn't do anything. Literally, mm. some people could just go to the pub and that, or some people could do stuff, go to the football, but it was a write off. So that's that's. That's where my, you know, my my hangover started to really, really, really start twisting. It felt like I was having screwdrivers just in my head. Uncontrollable sort of, you've had a few shots, a few Jaeger bombs and a few, few wines, whatever's in the fridge. And it, it, it was feeling like my head was going to explode, literally like put your head under the pillow. It's not good. And I just couldn't do that anymore. You know, I just... But I was, you know, you know, I'm never going to drink again. You do it again. And it's just, wow. Yeah. This is where you really have to take a look at yourself and and see what the next five years looks like, you know. Yeah. I quite often say that. And, and when you're feeling that about yourself anyway, like I, I quite often ask people, and it, and it sets off a reaction in my coaching, and, and I say, um, I'm going to ask you a question. How do you feel about yourself? And then I, the silence there is can feel like ages. And quite often people start to cry because it's how they feel about themselves, yeah. which is such an important question because yeah. quite a lot of us, when we get to a stage where drinking's problematic like that, with when it affects your mental health and that, yeah. is low self-esteem, low self-worth, not knowing how to stop, not knowing what's ahead. All these questions people ask themselves, and this is why you have to be really ready to do it, you know, and have some support, have some help. And yeah, well, I was always worried because, because, like I said, I I actually quite liked the person I was, and I I kind of liked the the general vibe of uh, what I was doing, and so I was always worried about not drinking. And would I, would I lose that guy that, yeah, would, would I stop being cool? Uh, the, your... would, I stop, would I, would I stop being the, could I be the fashion guy? Could I be the, could I be the cool guy without booze? I was thinking, I thought it all went hand in hand. Yeah. I stopped drinking. I'm, I'm just going to be that guy. Are you going to be relegated to the um, janitor in the Marvel film? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're the lead what, what roller you, with what, the cape on, and who? Because you didn't know who you was. That's the thing, mate. You've lived this life of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I do it? Like it's, it's like, you know, it's like suddenly, you know, you got these proper gym heads that wouldn't live without protein powder, and I was thinking, oh, it's, it's like taking a wheel off your car, and and it's like, am I going to be able to? Am I actually? Am I just going to be a, sh- a trolley pusher in Asda? Mm. I'm going to lose everything, and you know I'm going to stop being popular. And it was like that was in the back of my head, and and um, I know it's done to say, but it was just kind of like the shy guy of me. I'm thinking, thinking, but I think luckily during the madness of working for Lads Mags and 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 all that stuff, even now fashion is still still free parties all the time we you know we look after a beer brand and and we've got hundreds of beers in in the in the office that i could just drip but i'm just i don't need it and i think i've luckily always had a fairly like maybe like five percent of sensibleness in me so i've all and because of my vanity 
I have always wanted to, whatever I do, balance it with fitness in the gym because I like, just like, just, I'm just a, a vain prick. Um, and I also have kept an eye on being kind, being a nice person, helping other people, doing stuff for the community. I've always just had that part of me, which I've known that, that, that I've, I've done a lot of. And that's, that's come out way, way more, um, since I've stopped drinking, which, which is great. And, 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 you know, you, you, you realize that actually people don't really like the pissed rich. They like the rich probably that is helping the community and mm. uh, doing good creative work and doing it without really, you know, I don't, I just myself basically now I'm, I'm myself and, and, and I'm thinking this is a way better life. And the biggest plus I've, I think having two boys knowing that my youth was quite manic. Um, I know that I'm going to influence whatever they do. You know, um, my dad was, I'd wake up and he'd have six woodpecker ciders next to his, next to the sofa, every, every, whenever it was just everywhere. Foster's everywhere. And he was a bit fat and he was just, I didn't want to be like that. And, and I know that if they see me, pissed and hung over all the time they're going to think it's even if it's they probably will go drinking but i don't want to encourage it and i want to show them that you know they want them to remind remember me as the guy that was doing marathons or the guy that was doing boxing or the guy that was training hard he lost and then he came back and he won and just trying to be a good influence i think um and uh you know a lot of the dads i drive past weatherspoons in epsom or drive on a weekend I think, why are you taking your kids to Westerns? Like, like they want to be at a skate park or they want to be playing football. And and now I'm really looking forward to the weekends where I can go to football and I can then drive them to a skate park and then I can. And I love that now. And and um, there's so much more time in my life. And and in, it's getting to the point where I realise, bloody hell, the beers was just like an anchor. Maybe not in the beginning, but from for me personally. 30, 35 onwards, I was slogging a dead horse, you know, or flogging a dead horse. You know, when uh, Danny Dyer in Human Traffic says, uh, when the bad times outweigh the good times, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's over. And the, from 35 onwards for me, the bad times were outweighing the good times. But it took, I reckon, seven years, maybe eight years to kind of find my way through the jungle out of the, the woods really yeah. so here i am basically yeah i mean for 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 other people that work in fashion and media you've learned about peer pressure in, in school and you kind of relate peer pressure to being a teenager go and have that fag johnny uh, uh, uh but but peer pressure is for life um you uh, you know peer pressure when i walked into the lads mags my first day as you know you see people doing the line at their desk People sleeping under their desks. Uh, there's like girls that are um, naked, bikinis, dancing on the tables. It it was like, okay, this is my peer pressure. I've got to get 35 pages of a magazine done this month, and I'm getting paid good money to do it. But I've got ridiculous peer pressure. I, I can I can nibble at it here and there, but um, I had to be disciplined. And, and the whole fashion industry is like that. You know, there's, there's a free party on every single night if you want it. Um, and that's, that's where you have to decide. You know, I know everyone says, Oh, you've got a network, but you have to get your work done. Well, you can network without drinking. I mean, some of the best events I've been to are cycle yeah. events and, yeah, and yeah, people yeah. are really, really happy, energetic, healthy. Um, yeah. and they remember it the next day. I think I think now we're in a really really healthy time. I know a lot of people will say in some circumstances we're in an absolutely mad time, but in in with regards to drinking and drugs and mental health, I think that we're in a really brilliant time because when you go to a party now and you say you're not drinking, if you're confident enough to say I'm not drinking, which which I think is 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 the way forward, people 
respect that. I think employers, um, it, and she won't mind me saying this, but there's a girl who um, I employed, took on a year ago or so, and um, we were having our Christmas due. And and she wasn't starting until, like, January, but she came to the Christmas due to, to like, meet us and stuff. And I, I wasn't drinking then, so I was sort of like, well, I was struggling, to be honest, on that on that on that night, you know, secret Santa. Woo! I was like, oh, fucking, I'm, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't want to be here. And and I said, uh, do you want to drink? Um, and she went, I don't drink. Mm. And I was like, it was so confident. And she she said it was such like shutdown. Mm. Not like she could have said, oh, I'll, ha- I'll have a water and a tonic water, or I'll have something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She just she she had made yeah. that decision right. Just absolute shut down any negative. Yeah, do you know what? It's interesting because when you said before about I'm not drinking, right? That sounds at the moment, but when you say I don't drink, that's that's the it answer. Was so confident. Yeah, and I, I had it, it. There's nothing you can say back to it. I don't drink. I've and that says I've done it. I've done it. I've done all the hard work. Blah blah blah. I don't drink. <laughs> and it's like, and and um. I had instant respect for her. I was like, mm. that is so cool. Like, mm. that's what I've been, just three words, I don't drink. And and um, as an employee, you're never going to get, you're never going to get sickies Monday or. No, or for, look at the um, lost Friday afternoons, lost Wednesday <laughs> afternoons, Monday mornings, right? You're paying yeah, yeah. someone to work for you, right? Yeah. You know she's going to be on the button. Yeah. You know? Not, 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 uh, Oh, can we go have a beer from the fridge? Or, 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 or um, I'm feeling a bit. <coughs> yeah. On a Monday afternoon, right. it's like you're out all Sunday, and and I really think that if people can get to the point when they say oh, I don't drink, it it it's almost like those three words is wrapped up in a little parcel, and it's got what are you going to do about it inside mm-hmm. it as well. It's going to go yeah and what. <laughs> right, and what's the other thing here? Do you want a cigarette? No, I don't smoke. All right, mate. It's accepted. I don't drink. You know, it, there's such a stigma around that whole conversation that you don't drink. But if you say it with confidence, calmly, yeah. and yeah. with a smile, yeah, there's not a lot people can come back with, really, because it blindsides them. It's like, oh, literally, okay, yeah. I, I was, I was literally like, Whoa. yeah. Hang on a minute. We're we're in East London. You 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 got loads of tattoos and loads of jewelry and cool clothes and you you fit the stereotype of a real caner. Um, <laughs> Which is mad, isn't it? Even you saying it as saying, because you've got all that, does that equal that you're a drinker? Because it's ridiculous, isn't it? But that's the society we're in, isn't it? It's like, look at me, right? I'm a big lump, right? And I go in the boozer and automatically think, oh, he loves a beer, that bloke. Yeah. And I go up and I say, uh, can I have a tonic water or, or whatnot? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'll get bar. People look at me like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, I've been to a few places in, uh, been a few places in Italy um, a while ago, and I asked, asked for non-alcoholic beer, and they cracked up. They, they, huh. you. Not only was I English, they just think that's an insane kind of uh, thing that someone English has come and asked for. You know, someone that has, you know, is covered in tats and 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 looks whatever they didn't even have non-alcoholic beer and i I need to start smuggling them in you know and and or or selling your own brand out there there's 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 been a few uh fashion parties that you know not not the biggest ones but there's been a few and and i see on the bottom of the flyer desperados whatever carling you know you know it's going to be free drinks and i'm thinking is there going to be any non-alcoholic stuff there and there's been a few where there's not any there and 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 um and I've I've literally there was one where I took a couple from the fridge at work in my bag because <laughs> I just wanted to hold something. Yeah, and I, definitely. And I and I was like, I don't care if the doorman say no. I'm just going to say, look, if they're coming in with me, hundred percent. Because um, <laughs> did you do your puppy dog look? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> do the old do the old inside pocket, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I mean, it, it really is just like you know, when coming on here and stuff. And I, I was sitting in my car yesterday, thinking, "Oh, what am I going to say? 
I actually didn't know what I was going to say because it's not like I haven't thought about it. I, I've just, I've just, and there's, there's probably tons more stuff. You know, there's drugs and there's, um, you know, there's loads of other stuff that contribute to the, to the madness. The, 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 well, it's the, joining all the dots up, isn't it? But unfortunately, Rich, um, I keep these to around an hour. So I'd love to chat more, but I'm really, really grateful that you joined me today and you've told us your story. And I'm so glad you're celebrating one year and 10 months now, mate. You look great. Mate, I feel like I've had a, a, the most expensive counselling session in Har- Harley Street or something. And yeah, it's- well, you ain't got the invoice yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'd probably, I'd probably pay... Oh, uh, I don't know. I won't tell you. Cause no, no, I don't say probably. You say you He's will pay. Prices up. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, it's been an absolute joy to meet you, mate, and I'm so oh, grateful you've come on today. Yeah, no, keep, no, no. Keep, I think keep doing what you're doing, mate, because I've been following you a long time, and uh, and it's been one of many people that uh, that I, I recommend people to follow because you know you're you're straight talking geezer and. Um, you know, same as Dapper Lars. I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's a few. Yeah, he's doing there. big things out there. And for everyone listening, he's just trying to get the invoice down by a bit of flattery, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just send me yeah. your shirt and we'll be quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's my currency. If I get a plumber round, they say that's uh, £120, mate. I go, well, I can either pay that or you can go up my loft. And have a look at the club. I'm not joking either. Uh, mate, oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Rich, and I hope to meet you one day. Yeah, yeah, always in Brixton. Take it easy. Good mate. lad. Bye, mate. I really hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For further support, you can buy my book, One for the Road, on Amazon, and you can also follow me on Instagram at Sober Dave. Please remember to join me for next week's episode. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great week.